One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Don't be the dressing room DJ. Let your pals take care of the tunes. Drive smart. Shelly, Ker, how are you doing? I'm very well, how are you? Thanks very much for doing this, absolute pleasure to meet you. And you too. I was excited to meet you actually. I'm excited too. Do you know what, I've done a Herald thing in uh, Grand Central in Edinburgh and I absolutely talked up to the masses, have you heard that? Oh, did you? I did, uh-huh. I like the way you're talking that, so. I'm, I might listen to that. I think you should, <laughs> I think you should, it'll be a big ego boost, by the way. What a scheme, eh? So, yeah, this is where it all began. And actually... This car park, although it's filled with cars now, there's hardly any cars. There was one lorry and we used to play football against that wall. And uh, there was a woman that stayed in the house in there and uh, I think she got her window smashed quite a few times. But, but you hardly see any kids playing football. And you know. that, no ball game sign up there. No ball game sign. Does that hurt you? Yeah, it does because, do you know, the, the, woman, the woman and man and family that stayed in there... Um, they would give us a wee row, but nothing more than that. Yeah. You know, just let us play because we're kids. Uh, enjoying yourself, yeah. exactly. It's, yeah. it's sad times, eh? But I'm, I'm, I can't believe, like, we were in the car park before and people are coming up the high, Shelley. So, what a community, eh? It is. I think um, we're always grounded. It's a working class place. Even the houses. Yeah, I was born um, in 1969 and these houses were built in 1969. So a lot of the a lot of the families are still here and it's great when I go back and visit my mum and dad that they're, they're always pleased to see me. Can I believe you're 50? Right, well we'll drive onto the wee park that you used to play in as well. We'll yeah, go there first. Of course, of course. This pitch here, Simon, yeah. I have to be honest, I'm gonna just pull over here right, just go now for it. because um, right away this kick pitch wasn't built and um, None of these swings or anything like that, the the playground or anything, it wasn't there. Right. So what we used to do here was the whole village played football. It was like 20 a side. And we used to play diagonal so that pitch was made longer. You made up your own rules. And... You were a coach even back then, they <laughs> diagonal pitches. Well, well so. I, I don't know so much about a coach, but I was probably one of the youngest. And um, I had two older brothers. My sister didn't play... Um, but my two older brothers said, if you want to play football, you need to be able to run as fast, you need to be able to tackle, tough, uh-huh. and you need to be tough because it's a tough game to play. And so you find, you, I found myself right at an early age always having to be strong and having to be challenged yeah. if, if you were allowed to play. Was so, your brothers any good? Eh, but both of them were okay. They were quite tough players. They both played junior football for right. a long time. And, uh, you know, my two nephews played uh, professional football. Um, oh, did they? Who yeah. So, so Reese McCabe, he was at Rangers oh, I initially. Reece. I played Reese at Portsmouth. Yeah, yeah, no, he told me all about you. Oh, did he? He did. He's a good player, by the way. So, Technically, uh, very good. Yeah, and. Just um, a fat wee dick. I'm here to cut that out. Um, so, Reese um, McCabe played in Callum for Dice, so both of them are the same age. Reese is over in Ireland now playing at St. Pat's, and uh, Callum's playing for Airdrie, so we've got a footballing family, and you and know. And is your parents as well. No, my, my dad didn't play or anything like that, but they, they, they really like football, so so yeah, so this was where it all started. This is where you learned your trade. Every single day, every single day in life. What was it, straight home from school and then out? Straight home from school, and there's, there's another wee place where I'm, where I'm going to take you right now because there's a smaller area, but this is, if everybody was playing football, you know, you'd get maybe 20, 30 people here. Great from, having from this on whole, your doorstep. From the it? whole village, yeah, brilliant. Amazing. Min- minus take all the swings and whatever away, just, uh-huh. just have Leave football. Leave the football pitch, just, uh-huh. have, just have football. Was, uh, was there ever anyone, when you were younger, obviously being, being a girl, was there anyone that ever tried to put you off doing it? Loads. Was I, it, I mean, yeah? I mean, my barrier started then because you you get called a tomboy. It's a local <laughs> neighbour. Brilliant. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, yeah, I got called a tomboy, even teachers, a lot of teachers, um, although my art teacher, it was him that got me into the school team. Right. But a lot of teachers tried to put you off playing because it wasn't deemed the right thing to do for a yeah, girl yeah. to play, you know, uh, uh, football. So it was tough. And, you know, I, I would come home and sometimes just be distraught because, you know, people didn't Things want me to play yeah, football. Yeah. So it's like this little area here, I'm just going to pull over. Okay. Um, so... This, 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 this grass area here, yeah. I played every day with my next door neighbour, a guy called Kenneth Whelan. He stayed next door and his parents still stay next door to mine. And we play endless hours here, just 1v1. The usual jackets down, jumpers yeah. down, goalposts, take turns each, you're going in goals, tackling, you name it. And then if there was more players, that field at the time was, was obviously a bit flatter and... Um, we used to have, you know, ten aside, eleven aside, whatever, whatever the numbers were. Tremendous, oh, love it. I actually broke my arm in that field. Did you? Right? Yeah, I broke my arm, and uh, I was five at the time, and uh, that I couldn't get over the fence because I was in pain. And my mum was at the back, and my brothers got into trouble because they still carried on playing football, and just I left but you. just left me. <laughs> I love it. Quite right. <laughs> You're seeing the left-hand side here, but you can't see through the trees. But this is um, this is Polbeth United Community Club. So, is this where you took under elevens? This is um, yeah. We I took the, the under elevens. It was my very very first team um, that I coached, and I think it was probably about 1988, 89. Um, so. Um, we used to train up at the old high school but this is their facility now so if I, if I just drive and um, I'll probably park up here yeah, because you, you can see all the pitches so they've got a little um, clubhouse here Yeah. Um, so you can see it there Linefield Park it's called a few beers in there no, it's um, they, they sell um, healthy things. Oh, rubbish, not they sell healthy things. So, <laughs> so if I just drive up here, you've got the two pitches here, yeah. and then you've got another one further down. So it's a great setup, that, isn't it? It is. It's it's really good. And um, as I say, I took my first ever coaching job, Paul Beth United, and uh, you know it's funny because I wasn't allowed to play boys football when I started off. Really? So, that so, no? Because when I was younger, girls played with the boys. Yeah. Um, so I played for my primary team, but I couldn't play for my local club because they didn't have girls' football, and you weren't as a girl. You could only play up until a certain age, so I wasn't allowed to play club football. So j just with the pals, and that was it. Just with just with my friends until um, I was about thirteen, and I went and played. Um, there was only about maybe twenty women's teams across the whole of Scotland right. in comparison to twelve thousand girls that are playing now. Wow. Um, so I went and played senior women's football when I was thirteen. No way. But but this 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 pitch in particular brings back great memories because we were playing a friendly game when I played at my school team and we played Polbeth United and uh, we beat them five two and I was only eleven. How good's my memory? Amazing. <laughs> but it's always good when you score two goals. I scored two goals on against yeah on that pitch. Um, one of them was a penalty. And this um, this clubhouse now yeah um, they've got all their changing facilities and. I donated one of my Scotland tops and my, um, a cap in there, so they've got it up in the wall, on the which wall. is which is brilliant. Brilliant so, stuff. And that's... I'm really pleased to see that they, they encourage girls to play football, so it's brilliant. Can I just ask you, like, I take under 11s, mm -hmm. boys. What do you think is the most important thing for kids at that age to be? What was your philosophy when you were coaching kids at that age? Do you know the biggest thing with kids is have fun? Mm. There's so many times that I've been up here walking the dog and you see at times other teams and, and the coach and the manager's playing right wing because mm. they're walking up and down the touch. So oh, I hope you I don't, no, I hope I you don't that. do that. I commentate and I hate that. No. Ah, so you've just got to let the kids express themselves make and, and make, yeah. make mistakes and go and let them play. Obviously, as you get to elite level and so on and professional level, that needs to change because there is an element of critique. But when they're young, give them freedom to play. I couldn't believe when I found that you were a centre half. <laughs> I thought you'd be like a silky midfielder or something. So no. what kind of centre half for you? Was it a Colin Hendry type or was it a, an F.A. Ambrose? Oh, um, I, I probably, I was rough. Oh, you're rough, I was it? I was quite tough and aggressive, but controlled aggression. I was very smart. Um, I would always say that I probably wasn't the most talented player, although I did have some talent. Um, 
but I worked hard and I could read the game. Mm. I, I had a I had a real art in reading situations and then Sense for the whole team, the, uh... I always had leadership qualities, um, which helped the team. I think my, my dream car would probably be a Jag. Oh, nice. Nice and classy, a Jag. Yeah, yeah. I, I would go for a Jag, you know, the... The sport, the X, X, mm. I think it's, is it the X type? And Have you seen the new sporty Jeep? Aye, the F-Pace. Uh, Belton, eh? But, um, you know your cars, don't you? Okay, I'm, I'm not that right into cars, but I like a nice car because I spend a lot of time in it, yeah. and it has to be comfortable, of course. Do you do a lot of talking in the car as well, with through the, the Bluetooth? Do you know, I try not to. Right. I, I use it occasionally, but I'm trying not to because you, you've got to get a bit a bit respite as well, and I, I like to concentrate when mm. I'm driving, I really do. Um, my daughter says I'm like driving this Daisy um, because slow, yeah because yeah, I, I, I drive I don't think I, I stick to the limits you know because Shift, I yeah. yeah I think it's important you know the rules are there for a reason isn't it they are what about music would you listen to in the car anything do you right anything um, I listen to Cy Ferry's podcast, podcast. yeah Shelley um, that's why we've got you on um, I listen to a lot of football um, and then just some playlist that usually my daughter puts on my, my phone for right. me and um, I play it through kind of the, the media channels. Just back to the school, I actually wanted to ask you because you never done great in school, did you? No, I, I mean, even when I was at school, this is funny because um, you talk about, you know, judging people. We actually got in your report card what you were, so say there was 30 in my class, like I was 16, 30, 30th. So, that's, so average, that's not too bad. It was okay, but being competitive, you would want to be up there yeah. in the top ten. But no, I was I was just average at school. Didn't go to higher or further education. I left school uh, 16, 17 and went in into a factory. I worked in a factory what for factory seven, was it? seventeen years. It's a factory in Livingston called Mitsubishi Electric, and uh, they made um, VCRs. Can you remember VCRs? I had a VCR. I had Did it, you? Yeah. So um, I'll yeah. tell you what I watched on it, but I had to. <laughs> <laughs> Football. Uh, always. <laughs> um, so did you enjoy that? I did. I, I started off as a as a production operator, right. and when I finished, um, I think maybe two thousand and one, two thousand and two, I was a I was a manager. Right. So I was responsible for two or three production lines. See, so while you were working in the factory, was it always your burning desire to do football? Aye, aye. Yeah. I was. I was developing, obviously, going through the coach education pathway at that time. I was still playing. I was a national team player at the time as well. So you're developing all the other skills. And I have to say, my time in the factory has helped me in management because you were you had to hit targets on a daily basis and you were getting scrutinised to the max. You had to high-volume production lines. Mm. So you had, to, you had to produce the goods every day. And if you didn't, you know, there was people getting sacked. Yeah. So it was a very disciplined organisation and I learnt a lot about people um, when I worked there. See, when you're in the factory and obviously you were a national team player, would you get a lot of uh, attention in, in the factory? Or? No, really. No. no, really. My bosses were really good because they were into football, so they helped in terms of time off. They, they, they were really, really good at giving me, you know, extra holidays to go and play with the national team, which I needed because, you, you know, even now, it's up to sixty days a year that a year that the players can be oh, away. Right? So it's 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 quite a lot. So it's hard for employers, you know, when they've got someone in there that's combining a sporting career. But they yeah. were they were very very supportive. Uh, and how much a buzz was it to go and play for Scotland? Oh, I loved it. I think nothing, nothing. I mean, that's what everyone. See, when you start kicking a ball, you do it for fun initially. But everyone runs about a pitch. Scoring goals for Scotland, oh, don't yeah, they? Definitely. That's that's it. Right, where are we now? You haven't got a clue. Uh, the old are. juniors. I know it's a junior pitch. I can tell. It is. This is Stonyburn Juniors, known as the Fulshe. Right. So, what's um, the Fulshe? That's their nickname. Right. So, um, I'm going to just come up and park up here. So, um, that's the stand and that's the pitch in there. So. This is um, this place out here brings back so many memories. So I, um, when I played down south from my playing career, um, I played for Doncaster Bells, and both West Calder Juniors and Stonyburn trained out here. Right. So there's a little kind of 3G area. Uh, that's where I got most of my injuries. On the 3G, do you not like it? 
no, no, the three G playing with the men, training with the juniors. So you juniors. I trained with Stonyburn and West Calder. Um, and the managers there, um, David McMillan, who he's still, um, he still has um, dealings with the club. He still operates in a voluntary role with right. the club. And um, but I, I trained here once a week with him, sometimes twice a week, and it was brilliant. And then my first kind of senior management um, job was out here at Stonyburn. I was assistant manager. For, oh, yeah, for three seasons so the manager was a guy called Andy Johnson and uh, they had, it, it was so funny the very first night first first and foremost the committee came to my door and uh, said look our managers um, just left and uh, we've not got anybody to take training will you come and take training so I said aye of course no problem I knew most of the guys so yeah. and uh, so I turned up here and I went out in the pitch and uh, the, the guys are all out in the pitch and I went over few of them I knew, a few I didn't and I went over I says look yeah. words along the lines of you're bottom of the league, your manager's just been sacked and, and now and now you've got a bird taking your training <laughs> session, I says don't worry you're in capable hands, took the session and it was absolutely fine yeah. um, the guys were great and then the new manager got appointed, it was a guy called Andy Johnston and uh, he phoned me and I'd, I'd, I'd known him for a long time and he says how do you fancy being my assistant so I did, and it was, it was three years. I, I absolutely had a brilliant time. Quite brave of him to take you on, wasn't it? Aye, very brave of him, and um, you know, obviously brave myself because we we you know, yeah, there's some banter at the juniors. That's for sure. Did you get Did you get a bit? Of... I got a bit of stick. Yeah. I think he he quoted actually before the World Cup. There was a an article in one of the newspapers we were through it. Salcoats, we played Salcoats in the Scottish Cup. Right. And uh, it was a real. mob can be quite hard, can't it? It was a really tight game, and uh, I think we were winning 2 1, and there was like literally five minutes to go, and I had been getting pelters on the side, you know, you know things like, you know what, home down the island and stuff oh, like wow. that. And uh, so I, I never, you know, I never um, rose to the bait or anything like that. And then, it, as I say, it was getting near the end of the game, and we were under a bit of pressure, and it was packed out. It's all coats, well as packed as it can be. <laughs> and uh, so the ball came over to the touchline, and uh, you know I remember it well. And Andy, obviously, kind of talk. He he spoke about it in the paper about me, and, and the ball came in my head, and I headed it onto the railway line, <laughs> and, and they were and they were going crazy because obviously someone you know junior football it's no multiple ball system yeah. so this ball had came out and there was literally minutes to go and I've just flicked it with my head onto the railway and I went oh sorry and they were going Brilliant. absolutely crazy that's how you get them back innit but, but see when you were getting that stick did you never think that like, this is no for me no never never because when you're a kid um, a girl three, four years, five, six years old and people are going, oh, there's a tomboy. You just get on with it. Mm. You know, it's not right and it's not like that now, thankfully. It's changing the landscape and uh, the girls and women's game's changing and there's not that same stigma. But back then, it was pretty tough. Yeah. It was pretty tough. And But I was really, really strong. And, and to be fair to the guys that gave me the stick after the game, you know, they were very apologetic and looked just a bit of banter yeah. and, and whatever else. But, you know, sometimes it, it could be hurtful, but... It's, it's. Um, it was made a real. Thick skinned a bit, it's yeah. made me thick skinned for sure, and um, I have to say that even from a coaching perspective, coaching the guys, because a lot of them, a lot of guys that play junior have been ex senior players and mm -hmm. ex pros, and you know, it, it was really, really good playing a physical game and trying to get results because, you know, even the spectators, they're they're on your case, yeah. they're on the players' case. Um, Did you never bite back to the spectators, no? No. Never. No, no, it's it's not worth it. You know, you're there to do a job, and when you're a football manager or a coach, you know that you're you're responsible for things. So you've got to try and you know stay just stay professional. Back on to Scotland, uh, how different is the setup now compared to when you played? Huge, huge. In terms um, of professionalism. Well, put it this way: I got my first cap in 1989, and I had to I had to pay I had to pay 50 quid. What, to play it? Yeah, I had to pay 50 no quid way. for the hotel. And I was a sub that day, my first cap in 1989 um, was against England. Right. We lost 3-0, by the way. And I actually came on as a striker. I used to play up front uh, back in the day when I could... Target? Aye, target. Uh -huh. Hold the ball up, link-up player. 
crosses into the box. That's right. Um, but um, I know all the subs had a tracksuit like somebody had the top on and somebody had the bottoms and now you know the players have got access to the very best of everything and the best kit man in the game Mark McKenna <laughs> Mark McKenna he is the best kit man in the game his part's terrible but he's a good kit man <laughs> so he's boy. very good initial steps into management uh, was it Hibbs player manager Kilmanark first right okay so Kilmanark um, Jim Chapman was the manager and he left and he uh, it's the usual, isn't it? It happens all the time in football, whereby it's usually the oldest player takes over. or the senior player <laughs> takes over for a few games and um, the rest is history. But See, the, when he went, though, did you straight away think, I want that job? No, I didn't right. want it. I, I, I didn't want it because I wasn't ready because I still wanted to play, but it was a it was a quick fix. You know, the, the people that were responsible for the club said, look, you could do it just now, just do player coach and... Uh, because it affects your game so much. Oh, does it? Oh, yeah. Why do like, you feel like you kind of... If you're having a stinker, uh, I'm going to need to tell de- you. Uh, definitely. And then training-wise as well, you can't train the same because you're trying to coach as well as train and get the, your own intensity in your training, so it's so, so tough. So it's did you a, enjoy it? No, I, 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 I did I did enjoy it, but I felt it was tough and it, it was only a short fix, so you've got a time limit on it. Do it for the time. And... Um, so I done it at Kilmarnock, and then again I done it. So I've done it three times actually. Done it at Kilmarnock. You didn't hit it that much. You done it three times. <laughs> <laughs> done it at Kilmarnock. Done it at Hibs, and then done it at Spartan player, Spartans player coach. Right, right. I need to ask you. Managed Arsenal. Yeah. Wow. I know. Do you remember getting the phone call? Or? I did. I got the phone call on a Sunday out the blue. I was working as the under 19s um, head coach with women and. Uh, I had a, a technical role as well, so it was a dual role, and I got the phone call for Arsenal. Um, I thought it was one of my pals winding me up. Right. And uh, no, I got the call from Vic Akers, who's the kind of renowned kit man down there. He was responsible for the women's team, and uh, he asked me if I would be interested. And uh, I said, let me think about that. So after two seconds, I said, yeah, I would be interested. So I, I arranged to kind of fly down and meet with him, and. Uh, Spent the day down there at their training ground and uh, got offered the job and yeah, took took the job and uh, loved it. Uh, loved it. I've been at the training ground. It's unbelievable, uh, isn't it? Fantastic facilities and it's even better now. They've done more extensive work in integrating the women's team and they've almost got their own um, their own part of the building now, which right. is which is fantastic for them. Did you get to have any sort of relationship with Arsene Wenger? Not really. You would yeah. see him in the passing, but. Um, we trained, um, the men's team obviously were in during the day and we trained at night, so you really didn't see them that yeah. much. How was the standard of the, the Arsenal women? It was great, although, you know, that that's only six years ago, 2013, and they were still only training twice a week at right. that point, so they weren't professional at that time, so now they're fully professional, which, you know, has, has obviously helped the national team, but it's also helped the league down there in England, the FAWSL is... They've got a bit of resource now, and um, all the clubs, they've got a club licensing criteria which they've got to fulfil, and it's certainly added to the professionalism down there. So it's, it's a big thing down south now. Could you notice a big jump in standard between Arsenal and the, the Scottish teams that you. Yeah, back in? I, definitely. And I think, you know, you, it's, I think even although probably the Scottish teams, a lot of them were training as much, if not more, it was just a level of player. You know, your players like Kelly Smith, who at that wow. time was just. Player. One of the best players in the world, yeah. in my opinion. Um, I had brought in two Japanese World Cup winners who are just the most humble people ever. And you know, you had a Rachel Yankee, Alex Scott, and Kim Little was there at the time as well, and Jane Ludlow. So you had the best kind of home nations um, captains there, best players, and it was a phenomenal, phenomenal team. Did they, did they players, because they are such household names, did they? Did you feel a bit worried about going to manage in those players? No, I've, I've always been a person that's been confident in my own ability. Um, obviously, I was probably unknown to them, yeah. so um, I would imagine there was a bit of apprehension on their part. For me, I just thought, you know, I've got to, for me to get to the next level, I have to be coaching a team that are semi-pro, um, that with a, with a potentially being professional, and that will develop me as a person as well. So it was it was great. I you know I had no qualms at all about going, going down there. I moved obviously my daughter down there. She was in fifth year at school, and uh, I um, 
I took her out of school. You know, it was a tough decision, but she wanted to come, so it was it was really really good. It was really good. I enjoyed my time down there. Right, back onto the driving. Living in London, London traffic. How hard is that? Oh, How frustrating. Oh wow, it's like roundabouts onto another roundabout onto another roundabout, and you're going. You know, here you go. At the second exit, if you put your sat nav on, I think it's about at the ninth exit. <laughs> <laughs> did you live quite close to the training ground? I did. Sometimes I cycled actually oh, to the right? training ground. I love, I love an old cycle, do you? Uh, uh-huh. But fair play to my daughter, Christy, she actually took driving lessons down in London. No way. Yep. And uh, She's a genius. Apologies for saying this, Christy, but she did fail her test down there. We've <laughs> got that. Yeah. But she um, she did pass it up in Scotland. But I said to her, "Look, take driving lessons here because if you can drive here with all the traffic, then you'll you'll be you'll turn out to be a very very good driver." So she took driving lessons down in London, wow. but the traffic was horrific. Are you quite a chilled driver? Do you get? I'm quite chilled. I'm quite chilled. You know, if somebody makes a mistake when they're driving, you know, they maybe cut out in front of you. As long as it's it's not the end of the world and they bump into you, it's a mistake, you know. Yeah. But I, I think that you you have got to be focused. Hence the reason why I sometimes now, even although I've got Bluetooth, I, I genuinely switch my phones off because no distractions. Good. Everyone watching should do the same. And uh, Alex Scott on the telly. Alex is. She's been Alex, great, isn't she? Alex has done absolutely incredible um, with her career and. Latterly, um, you know, she I think she signed on a two-year contract with Arsenal. But what what a lot of people don't recognise we are uh, with Alex is that she actually went and done a degree. You know, a media. She went and fr- uh, she went while she was still playing and managed that, well as play with England as well as play with Arsenal. So she in the background was developing, you know, what she was going to do next when she finished football. It doesn't just um, happen by fluke, does it? It doesn't just happen by chance. She's worked hard to get to where she's got to. I'm looking forward to seeing her on Strictly. Oh, she's going on it. Is she's she? going on Strictly. It's tremendous. Would you ever go on there? Never. Why? Um, what about the jungle? I could maybe do the jungle, yeah, but, um, the jungle. but um, no, I'm not so sure Strictly's my, my cup of tea. I, I think you've got snake caps now. I'm, I'm, I'm right, I don't. Yeah, so. I can imagine you're yeah, right. But, um, no, you and I don't do I wouldn't do probably the outfits would kill me. Yeah. I'm not really keen on the outfits. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you a strip. You can do it in a strip. Um, was it arranged to leave Arsenal? Sorry? Was it arranged to leave Arsenal? It was, but I, I had to think personally it was a more personal circumstances for me I'd been away from home and I was mm. getting consumed by it and because it was myself and Christy down there you're away from your family I'd taken her out of school and I was just just getting consumed by it and things just weren't moving fast enough for me you know in, in terms of my, my, my own personal situation and and I, I just felt it was the right thing to do I, I really did I, and sometimes you your gut feeling in my opinion all my experiences your gut feeling is usually the right one to go with and um, I did. I well, made. I, no bad. I made the decision to to come back home, and um, and it worked out pretty well for me. Is there a is there a job in in football that would would tempt you away from the national job? Um, I, I love my job. I mean, when you play for your country as a player, and then you get the opportunity to manage them, it's a dream come true. So you know, this job for me is is the pinnacle. But I've I've never hidden the fact I've always had aspirations of working in the men's game in the men's game so you want to go back because the reason I'm putting this off a bit we want to speak about when we get to Stirling University but you obviously took over at Stirling again can you talk us through the time the first got approached and, and your feelings when you when that happened well it's going back to the when you were implying that I wasn't very good at school so right <laughs> <laughs> so I when I finished at Arsenal I thought right okay um, what do I need to do to become better so you do a lot of reflecting reflecting on my time at Arsenal and by having my pro licence you're starting to see how do I separate myself from a lot of coaches because the market's saturated with good mm. coaches whatever any journalists say or any media outlets say we've got a lot of good yeah. coaches and um, how do you set yourself apart so it's the experiences that you get exposed to the challenges but also you've all got a pro licence because that's the highest coaching award you need to work at the highest level But and I thought well most coaches and managers in football come from a practical background, so you've either had a playing background, but now more and more, the boardroom, chairman, chief execs, they want you to have a knowledge 
on other components, i.e. budgets, finance, managing up, managing down, dealing with different stakeholders, commercial partners. You are the face and at the forefront of that club. It's not just picking a team to yeah. win a game on a Saturday and a Sunday and get three points. And if you don't, don't, then you're getting sacked. So there's a whole host of things that you need. So I actually said, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invest a wee bit of my savings and I'm going to go and see if I can get a place at university and do a sports management degree. I'll do a master's. Now, bearing in mind I didn't even have an undergrad, I felt my life experience might help me get on that course. So I was going to do that over a year and I thought, great, I'll go and do some consultancy work. Still felt that I had enough experiences and um, that I could get enough work to to pay my bills and uh, get some beans and toast on the table for (laughs) Christy. So I I did, I applied to go to Stirling Uni um, on on the sports management um, master's degree course and uh, I got a, a conditional offer. So the conditional offer was getting references about my, my, my uh, professional career pathway um, through different working environments and also my coaching um, certificates as well, i.e. my pro licence. So um, got that secured, so I was about to embark on that in the September, and then I was I was doing a bit of scouting for a team I was at a game. Um, met a guy that I knew and he what are you doing are you doing anything coaching wise I says no I'm doing a bit of scouting I'm going to go to uni and he's going he says well I've heard that still in uni the, the men's team the Lowland League team are, are looking for a coach they might be looking for a coach um, would you be up for that and I, I thought playing Lowland League play British universities plus it's almost like full time mm. and you're you're going to get an opportunity to work because it's a scholarship pro- programme so you're going to get an opportunity to work with players that have been in a, a professional environment so the criteria to kind of give you a bit of context the criteria is it's players that have been released out of contracts for clubs, clubs right, okay. and then maybe they then think well actually maybe I should go and get um, you know an academic career behind mm. me and still play a bit of football into the bargain and do you know what the, the scholarship programme up at Stirling Union I'm not just saying this because I was a coach it's fantastic how many footballers young guys get released from contracts for big clubs and they don't play again no there's loads of huh? there's lots so this programme allows you to continue playing at a decent level almost daily coaching plus at the end of four years you walk away with a degree it's a bit like the America system it isn't it it is so I thought oh that's that's quite interesting so I made a few inquiries and then the job was advertised and uh, I was asked to put my CV in so and you know I was like saying well just let me get an interview if I can get an interview then I can put my way in I can can, (laughs) pretty much so um, no I can highlight my qualities as as a coach and manager I've been in programmes similar, I've developed a programme, I've worked with youth players, mm. you know, okay, it's men, but at the end of it, this is a different programme, and, and uh, so anyway, I... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I, uh, I got a phone call to say, um, we're inviting you for an interview. And I went, great, that's all you can ask for. You know, you put a CV in, you know that it's going to be, you know, Inundated, they're going to be inundated with applicants. So, um, I, I had my interview on the Monday. Um, it was the following Monday. I went for my interview, and uh, it was great. There was about, I think, five or six on the interview panel, and uh, went through the interview, and um, it was fine. It was a seamless process, and just pe- speaking about my experiences. There was a few questions in there, and and then um, so I was driving home, and. Um, I got a phone call and uh, stopped the car, obviously. Didn't have Bluetooth yeah, good, in my good, car at that, that time, but sto- stopped the car. And it was actually at my old school. I pulled over and uh, took the call and uh, it was Raleigh Gowrie who was the um, the lead guy in all of it. He was kind of heady, kind of um, 
performance there at that time. And uh, he said, uh, Shelley, um, he asked me how I thought the interview went. And, um, you know, you're almost going, Isaac, come on, get to the point. <laughs> and um, he said, uh, we're, we're delighted. Um, we, we thought that you'd done really well and we'd like to um, we'd like to offer you the job. And uh, he said, there's, there's one wee condition, though. And uh, he said, we understand that you've applied to do a master's at the uni. Um, so... I says, yeah, and he said, you're doing it over a year. He says, look, I think it would be really tough for you to do it over a year. And he said, how would you feel if we offered to pay for your master's, but you do it over two years? And I was like, Perfect, eh? no problem. Mm. I said, and, I, and for the day I went into Stirling Uni, um, I met was the the guy that was the, the head boss. He was the director of sport there, a guy called Pete. Pete Billsborough, who's sadly no longer with us. Right. And I remember him saying to me, Shelley, university is all about developing people and our staff are no different. You're, you're hired here because of your qualities to do the job, not because of gender. And we're going to support you all the way through. Don't focus on the results. This is a long-term project. And, That's what you want to and, hear, and, and that was literally one of my first days in the job. And I felt so comfortable in that environment. I didn't feel any pressure, but um, as I say, they were they were really forthcoming and, and forward thinking as an education establishment to make the appointment. And you know, and the, so going back to the Monday night, getting the phone call, I said, "No, I'd love to accept." And he said, um, "So Rally said to me, when can you start?" And I said, "Now." And he says, "Can you come in at seven tomorrow morning? Because the boys train in in the morning at right. eight o'clock." So I was in the following morning, um, met with Rally, went out, got introduced to the guys. And BBC were at the campus by lunchtime because it had went, you know, viral in terms of uh, being a female coach in charge of the men's team. And I actually had to deliver a coaching session for BBC. Well, how's the pressure? We had about, about six players um, so that they could do an exclusive on on um, the, the kind of news that that evening. And um, it was it was fantastic. It worked out really well. And you know. I, take the football aside one of the toughest things that I ever had to do was that master's course over two years having not studied for years and go into that environment um, education I was totally out of my comfort zone so you said it went viral did you get any special messages for you? was there it's, any famous people that, that I, got in touch it's, loads, of, loads of other managers um, you know just saying congratulations well done but you know out with that we had requests the university had requests for as far as Israel um to do interviews like Skype interviews because they had they had heard all about this appointment so they were getting inundated and um, I have to say because there was no really any exposure to the team the Lowland League team at that point the boys were loving it uh-huh. you know getting a bit of attention and, uh-huh. uh, could so you believe how, how big it was? I, I kind of knew that it would be a big thing but not to the degree and and ultimately my focus was, was solely on trying to get a few results on the board because at the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, you're the first female. If you you lose and you lose and you lose and it becomes, you know, a habit, then you're going to get people saying, told you it wouldn't work. Mm. So it's always been something that's been in the back of my mind, whether that's been on a an A-licence course, a pro-licence course. There's almost a part of me that thinks that you've got to do no better than everyone else, but you... <laughs> You've got to make a good mm. account of yourself. So did the boys take to you straight away, or was there was there any challenges? No, they were they were great. Um, I think when you you go to a university, still in the in the scholarship program, there's there's certain values you have to adhere to. What was really helpful for me was we had two or three players that are non-students, so that's allowed. It's you know there's an unwritten rule that you can have two or three right, that's okay. non-students. So the guy called Chris Geddes, who had been uh, played um, for various kind of lower league teams and uh, he was the senior member of the squad and I liked a bit of laugh a bit of banter but he was good he was good around the changing room and then uh, there was a guy the captain Callum Burns had actually played against and played um, in the same pro youth set up as one of my nephews so right away there's a bit of respect right. about from kind of the family side of it and um, like we mentioned earlier when you get on and you start coaching um, 
people forget. forget yeah. People forget if you're a male or female. It's, it's really just about you know what you're delivering. We spoke about obviously the difference between the Arsenal ladies and then going to a Sterling. What about um, coaching wise? Do you, do you coach a men's team differently from a women's team? Managing is different. I think um, I would say that it's more challenging to manage female players than it is male players. Really? Yes. Why? I don't know the reason, um, but this is just my opinion. I think that when you... Male players are more apt to just think about themselves as an individual and just go on with things when you're making a decision. But in a female team um, environment, when you make decisions, it sometimes has an effect on the whole group because they've got a close bond. Right. And then and then there's there's more emotions attached with it. As females, we are genuinely more emotional kind of... Um, people um, I, no, I don't know that's just me I just think that you know like I, I could have been away with the, the men's team and we're en route to a game and for example the bus gets a flat tyre they wouldn't be phased about it they, 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 and no because that they're no bothered about getting to the game on time they can't control it so it's pointless focusing on it and they just go about their business um, yeah. that, that's just one example and I've had, had experiences of that you know when you're you're travelling down south with the guys they just they just get on with it it doesn't affect their mindset in the same way mm. and it's almost like you know and, and, and not all, all females but just in my experience that sometimes when there's things that are no when there's no perfection there then it, it can be hard for them to, to compre- comprehend how it isn't perfection and right. so and, and I do think when it comes to decision making um, guys are, are more apt to just get on with things and mm. you know see at that stage at Stirling was when you start to get good results do you start to think I can go far in the men's game um, I don't think I, I, I'm never, I've never been a planner like a lot of people would think that I've planned to be in the current job that I'm in just now i.e. be the 19th coach go to Arsenal then I, I'm not a planner I, I just try and develop myself um, reflect on all my experiences learn uh, listen and I'm not perfect I'm a human being I make mistakes and um, when I make a mistake I'll try and learn from it to become a better coach and a better person but I think ultimately I, I, I just I'm, I'm ambitious and I think that every job's got a lifespan no matter who you are because you need a freshness and um, I think um, you know going back to working in the men's game there was there was a couple of approaches from some senior teams was at that, that right? point and you're going to um, give us an exclusive no no okay no I'm, I'm a really confidential person okay. but the timing wasn't right for me um, at that point, I was about to go into um, the graduation period, so there was a few few months left for me to do my dissertation, and I had worked so hard for something that I felt was really important for me in the future. So the timing wasn't right, um, and uh, but that's not to say that you know, because everything in life's about timing. The job for me right now it was the right time for me, um, but I think everything in life needs to be at the right time. That must have been some some feeling when you got approached for a couple of professional teams. Yeah, it, it was um, it was a surprise, um, a pleasant surprise, and um, you know I did think really long and hard about it. Um, but I just felt for me, I wanted to finish my degree. I'd spent two years there, and there was no way that I was going to um, you know give it up, no matter what the circumstances. So it was a tough decision, and. Um, but it, it, again, it was probably the right decision. Yeah. You've said again that uh, no secret you would like to get back into the men's game. You've said you're confident in your own ability. How high do you can manage? I don't know. I, I, I'm a, again, I'm, I'm a realist. I don't think that you ever finished the article and I think that you've got to go through um, different stages of your life and work with different players at different levels. You can't... I, 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 you know, I don't really... I don't think it's great when someone goes in and works at the top level right away because where's your grounding? Mm. And some people are successful at doing it. It's just no, it's not what I would do. I think that you've got to develop yourself in many different situations, and I think you've got to get things wrong. So you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know where the ceiling is for Could me. Could you manage an SPL? Um, 
that'll be for others to decide. I know you ask me the question twice now. Do I feel confident yeah. as a coach? I, I think there needs to be a starting point. You know, I've not worked in the professional men's game. I've worked in the Lowland League, albeit I've taken a women's national team. So you've got to be realistic. You know, you've got to start off at, at the lower level. I wouldn't expect, probably wouldn't expect someone to recruit me right into the top level because... I've not got the experience of doing that, so it's, there's got to be a starting point. If you're asking me in terms of my ability to do the job and work in the men's professional game, yeah, I do think I could do it. For the here and now, I'm very focused on the job that I've got, but I, I have always had aspirations of working in, in the men's game. Now, could it be a manager? Could it be a, in a performance role? Could it be in an academy? I certainly think that you know I've got a lot of attributes that I could do that. Uh, right, before we get to Scotland, a wee car share question for you if you could pick your dream car share four passengers for a long distance journey who would you pick obviously I'd be one so three yep. more we need to yeah yep. so you would it? you would definitely be one <laughs> Paul Slane <laughs> um, Paul Slane <laughs> <laughs> I think that might affect my driving if he was in the car um, god that's a really tough question um, probably Sir Alex Ferguson wow because I'd just pick his brains on everything um, have you ever picked his? Have you ever got? Yeah, he, he actually got in touch with me when we were in the when we were competing in the World Cup. Wow. He sent me a few messages backwards and forwards. He's none too happy about VAR. He doesn't like it. Um, <laughs> right, he, he's, okay. he's not a fan, but I have to say it was um, it was amazing getting a text from Sir Alex, and he was he was really complimentary about the team. He was. Um, provided a bit of mentorship for me and give me a bit of advice amazing, and it yeah. was absolutely amazing so he, he would definitely be one he does not like Varto because he used to get other refereeing decisions that. Uh, yeah that's true <laughs> that's true um, but what a character and I think you know my, my life's been consumed by football so um, do you I'd, say he's the greatest manager all time yes yeah, yes I would cool, yeah. I would definitely definitely the, the greatest manager of all time um, anyone else think of mind I think um I think probably I'd probably go for um, probably go for Serena Williams. Right. Just for the fact that you know she's a strong, strong woman. Leadership. She's had to contend with a lot of scrutiny. She's been successful over over a number of years, and I think she'd be quite good fun to to kind of again pick her brain. But I think there's a, another side here that people don't see. And um, a great sporting icon. You can see the, you can see the. Me and Serena going well. Yeah, yeah, you you're going the, in. <laughs> You can see the direction I'm going in. Here. I hope you put me in the same sporting direction as they two now. Of course. Right. Okay. Without a shadow <laughs> doubt. Right. We've got one more. And um, I think one more. It probably have to be somebody that that makes me laugh. And. Um, I'd probably maybe go a Kevin Bridges or oh, somebody like that, yeah, just, yeah. To, just to kind of lighten the mood a wee yeah. bit if it was getting too serious. Fair, I, don't, I think Fergie could quite annoy the Bridges quite quick, wouldn't he? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> what a car share that is. Yeah. Brilliant, good answer on the spot as well. Again, I've asked you for every other job you've had, but when did you first hear the interest? Um, I, I actually got a phone call from a recruitment company. Obviously, I was aware that Anna Senio, who who was my previous coach, Anna, Anna was obviously head coach, and she was my line manager, so she'd done a bit of mentoring with me as well, and I, I heard that Anna was moving on. And uh, I have to be honest, I had no intentions of, of leaving Stirling. I was really happy in my job because, you know, I was doing my job, I was doing a bit of lecturing up there as well, and I absolutely loved my time. So I, I was no remotely looking for another job. And uh, I got a phone call from a recruitment um, company, and... Uh, they had really just called me to see if I, I was interested. They had um, obviously been advised of who I was, what I'd, what I'd done, and would I be interested in the job. And I said, well, I'm happy in the job that I'm doing, but when it's your country that, that comes calling, then of course, and somebody that really passionate about Scotland, Scottish football, and, and, and then women's football as well. And I said, yeah. So um, I basically went through the, a rigorous process and... Um, Got, got an interview, went for the interview and again it was a kind of interviews are interviews are just, you get scrutinised to the max and um, you try and prepare as much as possible and there's always a, a question goes in, it's a bit like what you're doing <laughs> today <laughs> um, but um, 
you know, went for the interview and then um, I, I, I think initially there was going to be a, a kind of two, it was a two-stage part, but it actually turned out just to be one and I got a phone call two days later to say that um, I had been successful and I have to say it was a real joyous moment. Uh-huh. It was really joyous. I was actually... I was actually with the boys at the time. I was the Stirling boys. I was, yeah, at, right? I was at, but, but I couldn't see anything. I was um, so it was confidential. So um, I could only kind of tell a few members of my family. Who's the was, first person you tell you've got the Scotland job? Uh, my daughter. Right. Yeah, my daughter. And was and, she quite emotional? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, she definitely. That's amazing, isn't it? Uh, it was ama- amazing. That, they, those are the things that you know people don't get and they don't recognise. You know, you're. You're out there, kind of in the spotlight, but they don't see you as having family or having the emotional side to it. And is that the hard bit of managing? That is the hard part because, first and foremost, I'm I'm Shelley as a as a person and a human being, and I've got feelings, I've got emotions, and you know sometimes people think that as a manager you have no emotions and you know you you're no a, a normal a normal person. You're normal. You know you've, you've we've just been to where I grew up. It's working class background and for me you're the first person that's brought attention to women's football that's why I started watching it that must make you proud I'm sure you hear that a lot it it does and you know I think it's good you've been involved in football yourself and the pathway that you've been through hasn't been smooth either and that happens to a lot of people but I think um, a big thing is to get women's football in Scotland on the map I I was playing at a golf um, a pro-am golf and this young lad um I don't know what age, maybe seven or eight, and he and he come up and he asked for a picture, and I, w- I was like thinking to myself, wow, really? a seven, it's not a little girl, it's no. a little boy saying I watched the team mm. in the World Cup, and you've got, I've had people come up and say, even when I've been out walking the dog, saying, oh, what, I just want to say thanks. I know the team didn't get out of the group stages and it, it didn't end well, but thanks for allowing me the experience of watching a Scotland team at the World Cup mm. and it just it, it does it makes you smile and those are the things that you know for me are so so important I, I, I walk the game before we went to the World Cup we played Jamaica at Hamden and there was 18 and a half thousand there and people were speaking about how, what, what did you feel like in the World Cup and what was the experience like I don't think I proper I, I didn't enjoy it you know because you're the, the pressure increases to a degree that you've never had before and the weight of the world or the weight of the country is on your shoulders mm. because everyone's expecting you to do well but I, I had a moment at Hamden where I've led the team out and I look up at the big screen and it's got 18,500 that moment will live with me forever because I never in my lifetime so I thought that I would have seen 18,500 people at a women's game in Scotland mm. it's just incredible and and for me, you talk about the legacy. How can, how can we put a pathway in place? How can we get grow the game and put the legacy in where a little girl doesn't have to go through what I went through as a young kid, getting called a tomboy? No, you can't play here. This is for boys. That's something that really gives me a lot of pride. And forget the World Cup. That, of course, it was great that we got there. But for me. The other parts from what you've done for the country. I know you said about Jamaica being the best, but that must be up there. Oh, it was it was great. But what what I would say is, for somebody that's as old as me, being embroiled in the women's game, the Jamaica one in terms of the legacy part, where you know that the landscape has changed with something really special. But of course, that moment and but ultimately having had a an extensive playing background myself, I know what like it is being on that pitch so really as a coach you're trying to just let the players enjoy the moment I went in and I kind of started to kind of you know that's us we're going to the World Cup and and then I kind of I think you can see footage I just kind of just go away out the circle and let them start to enjoy the moment did you all get a drink together after it? we did actually we did um, some time after it and um, you know it was it was really a special moment for us we had a we had a meal and a wee sit down and it was it was a fantastic evening it really was just the calls for home and and stuff like that it was a really nice chilled night and then we travelled back the following day to just the the media was just crazy and the, the profile it was it was absolutely phenomenal and, and I have to say coming back um, coming back that day 
my life changed in terms of the consumption of football um, in the World Cup. I've never experienced anything quite like it in terms of where my head was and I, and, and I still don't think I properly enjoyed that moment because it was relentless. It was almost like you had to, you know, you had to ride the wave to keep the momentum going and and it really took its toll on me, you know. Is it, it a was, stressful job? It's got, obviously, when you see like Alex McLeish when he gets sacked and some of the things that get said about him, you must be able to empathise with that. I, I, you can. I think with every manager I've had, uh, you know, you, you can, you can empathise with every manager. Is because it so hard to switch off? I, I think it's so hard to switch off. And you know what? No matter what you do, no matter how successful you are or how, you, how successful you've been, everyone gets a turn to getting scrutinised. And... I think what people fail to fail to fail to take on board is what effect that has on not you as an individual because you're in that position because you're strong, you're a strong character, but what has on your family and your, and, the, and the wider community and that's that's tough. And I think years ago, before social channels etc., it was probably easier. Now it's so so tough for yeah. it's tough for managers. Any manager, I, I you know, I hold in high regard because it's. It's such a tough gig, it really is. Can imagine. Uh, big first for me as well. I think you're the first person I've interviewed that's got an MB. <laughs> How proud are you of that? I, do you know what? I can't even. It's not that I haven't accepted it, but it's. It, I have, but it's like. It's one of these things that. I, I got wind of it when we were at the World Cup, and I, again, I've not shared it properly with my family, and and and. But not just that. It's. It's not about me. It's about. Okay, it's, it's a drive and an, an internal kind of um, de- dedication and passion I have for the women's game, and, and I've had that over a, a number of years. But there's been so many people that I've helped do that. But uh, I'm really gobsmacked, honestly. It's I'm, I'm, it's a humbling thing to to talk to other people in different situations. But no, I can't I can't quite come to terms with it if I'm being honest. Have you used it to like, get in a nightclub or a Shelly KMB? No, yeah. But if, if, we'll you're, go after if, if, you, if after you're looking we'll to go, go then we, we, we <laughs> can maybe try it. Can't wait. Uh, you said as well, obviously, that the job's 24 hours a day, you you put so much in it. But again, how much have you put into your life trying to grow the women's game? Uh, that, that That is just... I don't think you could add up all the hours. I've I've missed so many things with my family. Like in the World Cup, I've never seen my daughter. Um, we give the players a whole lot of time off and... I didn't see her. I hardly spoke to any of my family. Because I've, you were working like you were because I was, I was just teams, round, round the clock, and because you, you just want to try and do your best. And um, is that a wee regret, maybe then? Uh, I think there's so many things that I regret, especially with my daughter. I've missed parents' nights at school. I've missed milestones. You know, our twenty-first. I was going out the door in the morning to fly to. Um, Amsterdam with football I've, I've missed so many things in her life and um, that's that's a regret that I have and and you know now as I've as I've matured because I play when I played as well I was away from home a lot you know I'm, I'm away 10 days playing an Algarve Cup and my kids just started school nobody can ever you know well there's a lot of parents that have to go and do it but those things are so so tough to yeah. manage and, and you know when you there's a lot of good comes with being a football manager, but you know, there's a lot of a lot of things that are negative, and, and it's your family that suffers from that. And so, it, those are the tough things about being a manager. And I, I definitely, you know, would like to have been there for my family. I've, I've got a really supportive family. They've been brilliant. My mum and dad still to this day support, and you know, Christie's dad and the whole wider family and all my friends. I wouldn't be in my job if it wasn't for them because they're always there to pick up the pieces no matter what. And I've said it time and time again. I, I'm Shelley from Polebeth, a wee girl that grew yeah. up in Polebeth. On at the World Cup itself, yep. standing the dugout of England as the national anthem plays. Uh, Proudest moment of your life? Aye, I, I think so. I think any time you sing the national anthem, you know, was it, was it goosebumps? Aye, as a player and as the the national team coach but I, I would actually I try and stay in the zone so you know for me there was a big crowd there in Nice and uh, you could hear all the Scottish support but I try to kind of turn that noise down a wee bit to, to stay in the zone so it was probably although it was a proud moment see there was a moment just walking out onto the pitch with some of the players and then the night before I had to do a press conference and 
I was at, there was a moment when I was in the stadium just on my own and I had a look around and I was like, tomorrow this is going to be fully Scotties supporting a national team at the World Cup and I've played a bit of a part in that. And mm. that's where it becomes, a you know, a wee, a wee quiet moment um, to yourself and then equally remembering that when match day comes that you really need to be focused you on the... You now. need to put it to one side and focus on the game. So, it, it, But it was, it was proud, I think, that... You know, I've been speaking a lot about the legacy and what that means for me being a 50-year-old and the stigma attached to a girl playing football. And But there's people that actually spent a fortune to spend their summer holidays watching the women's team in, in, in the World Cup. And there's so many good um, stories about our team getting to the World Cup. So, you know, as much as obviously it's a proud moment, you're playing against England, that the first World Cup ever for the women's team, there's so many other things that were positive as well. Is there also a fact that, you know, there's six million people tuning in and you think, I can't make an answer to this? <laughs> <laughs> does that come into it? I, I think it does. I think it? that subconsciously, because you go back to most managers, they're perfectionists, they, they're their biggest critics. So, I actually felt that I had the whole country, um, the weight of the country on my shoulders. Did I did. you sleep? No, no. I, I didn't sleep. I'm not a great sleeper, but I probably averaged four hours wow. when I was there. And that it's not great because even though, I, I talk to the players about managing their energy. If you're the head coach, you need to manage your energy as well. And I learned heaps about, you know, uh, when you're in camp and... What, how to get more rest and whatever but you know hopefully the team in the future get there and um, you know you, there's a huge learning curve for everyone and you learn from the, the outcomes that, that you've that you've had as a, as a as a player first and foremost and then as a manager and, and, a, and a staffing group but I didn't sleep a lot no. No. and uh, Fergie's right VAR rubbish and it absolutely ruined, ruined the competition for me yeah I mean I said before the tournament that I was in favour of VAR um, and I have to give credit to the match officials because I think after the group stages they really improved and, and they, yeah. they started to get a lot of the decisions um, spot on, if I'm being honest. But I think in the initial stages, the group stages, I, I don't think it was great. Um, I'm not deflecting away from, you know, we finished off, we were in a great position, we are three goals to the good and... Um, we, we are, you know, me as a head coach, I have to take responsibility, and as a collective, we have to take responsibility for not getting over the line. But in all my experience as a football player and as a football coach and manager, I've never had as many kind of situations where things haven't went your way. Yeah. And, and but you've got to almost park that and look at the performance element if you want to improve for the future as well. So as much as, yep, VAR wasn't great for us initially in the tournament, I think it got better, the officiating got better as the tournament went on. And you can see even in the EPL right now, there's there's lots of discussion yeah. and debates and we're what, only two weeks into the season, mm-hmm. two, three weeks into the season. So it's it's... It's caused some challenges, it's caused some discussions and debates and it'll continue to do that because I think in football we all like the human element of it. Yeah, the human error. Uh-huh. But you must have been proud because I watched all three games and not once we outplayed. No, I... Or I thought... No, I think go, go the England game, both games, England-Japan, we were 2-0 down and, and both the games at half-time we made a couple of tactical adjustments. You know, people probably afterwards said, well, could you not have started like that? Well... Don't you think it's not as easy as that? And and sometimes it can be it can be less challenging when you're two goals down because it takes the pressure off you. And that coupled with the fact that other teams are so far ahead, England I have to say the England game they had a very good first half. We we were up against two players that are probably two of the best in Europe: Nikita Paris and Lucy Bronze. Japan they didn't get a good result in their first game, so everyone thought Scotland can take them. Scotland mm. can beat them in typical Scottish fashion. Been involved for the game for such a long time. Been a top team, aren't they? Japan. Mm. I've won the World Cup. They've been runners up. They're they're a good team. So I knew it was going to be tough. And I think if we had went out there early and uh, played a high pressing game, I think that you know we we might not have got the scoreline that we got. And we finished both those games two one two one. We put ourselves in a brilliant position. Mm. We rested a couple of players because we thought it would come down to the last game and. We were 15 minutes away from doing something remarkable. Mm. And 
you know, it's just the fine lines in football. It's, it? it's the fine margins, and and I think as a as a national team, we'll learn lots lots from it. That dressing room after that last game is that is that the lowest you've seen? Yeah, and and as I say, I I, I wasn't in the dressing room. I, to be fair, a lot because you've got to go and do media right away mm. now. There's all these rules and regulations that you've got to adhere to. So. But yeah, it was pretty tough picking picking them up after. How, how do you pick them up? Do you just yeah, remind yeah, them yeah, how well they've done? Yeah, you've got to remind them on the good things and the positives in terms of you know how well we done to get there, and then you've got to you know almost leave time to reflect and then look look forward. Mm. We look we look now to embark on a Euros campaign, and that's something that the players should be looking forward to. And we'll qualify for the Euros, won't we? Oh, you're going to be the manager, you just said, so... <laughs> Kitman, um, Mark's getting sacked, I'm the Kitman. I think we've got a tough group. We we play... Um, we've got Finland, Albania, Cyprus and Portugal, so it's a tough group. Can we do it? Yeah, I absolutely think we can do it, and let's hope that we can get Scotland to another finals because that's the way that you become better as a team. And, again, the profile that's been raised on the back of the World Cup, then if we can increase that again, then I think we... We'll be doing our job. Having spoke you for two hours, I've no doubt you'll get us there. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much, Charlie. Thanks very much. Thanks, cheers. Thank you. In the time it takes to score a goal, you can also lose control. Don't speed, drive smart.